0: Hello and welcome to Fans, the podcast hosted by me, Sachin Akrani, in which I speak to people I like, find interesting, or both, about being football fans. And so it's the final episode of the series, and it's very much a case of going out with a bang, as I'm joined to talk all things Fulham by the brilliant author, scriptwriter and podcaster, John O'Farrell. John, how are you?
1: I'm very well, thank you. Glad to have got in the series just before it ends full bottom of the list that's where we belong
0: no very much no as i've said before we recorded yeah uh, getting a full and fan on a specific you to talk about about the club was, has been high on my pros list for a while but i've uh, i've done all the other west london clubs one of them is with someone i know you uh, that you know well so we'll come on to him shortly actually i won't reveal okay. it just yet um but uh, yeah they all because because of where they were i couldn't i didn't want to bunch them all up so i've been spreading the big four west london clubs chelsea um qpr brentford and fulham sort of throughout my time doing this podcast so yeah fulham have, have come forth in a little west london table but i was always going to get to them so don't thank worry you for him. that no problem so no i really do appreciate you coming on thank you very much i've been keen to get you on to talk about talk about fulham for a while um and actually what's interesting about fulham doing my sort of research on them is they may be the club that has the most well-known um supporters um I was aware of a few but when I sort of googled famous fulham fans you came up but also and a few others that I knew such as Hugh Grant and Richard Osman and Keith Allen but um I was sort of yeah. struck by the well, number of other names Keith Chegwin Tommy Pierce Trinder Brosnan. who's that sorry uh, um Tommy Trinder <laughs> going back a bit oh well, wow at okay. the well, time
1: there was a time when uh, we were in the well, We might talk about this later, but when we we're at Fulham, we we're in the Europa League final.
2: Yes, and of uh,
1: the TV uh, company rang me up and said, "We're talking to famous Fulham fans uh, in Hamburg. Would you be prepared to talk to us?" And this was a res- junior researcher, I think. I went, "Yeah, that'd be great if you can track me down." And here's my mobile number. And then they come back about you know a day later. Yeah, uh, we probably can't pay you for this. It's like, oh, I wouldn't know I was going to get paid anyway. That's <laughs> fine. So basically, what happens? You go back to her boss, and they gone, "Who?" <laughs> get- <laughs> Get Hugh Grant, get Richard Osmond. And then she comes back the next day, or when we're in Hamburg, we're going, yeah, actually, we don't, we don't want to talk to you oh, like, at all. It's like, that's right. So, yeah. yeah, I mean, in terms of uh, well-known fans, I mean, I suppose the the bigger clubs, you know, like the Man United's, must have dozens. Yeah. It's just, I think that, you know, you sort of, um, they, will get, they will get lost in the mix. Whereas with Fulham, it's like, it's quite quirky that Richard Osmond sports Fulham or Hugh Grant sports Fulham. So it stays in the memory, I think.
0: Yeah, well, apparently Eminem is a Fulham fan as well. I'm not sure I believe that, but, um, yeah, Margot Robbie as well. Margot Robbie claimed to be Fulham. Yeah, Yeah. that was great.
1: And um, Michael Jackson was one we claimed because he once came
0: to see us play Wigan. Well, we will definitely come on to that. Yeah, we will absolutely address the... Um, oh, my God, the embarrassment. Yeah. The, or not, the, or not. The, who knows? the king of pop in the room. I don't know if that's yeah, the, yeah. the right phrase for it. Um, yeah, as I said, that seems to be quite a lot. And I, I wonder, actually, how much do you think location plays a role in that? Because for those who don't know, Fulham is in a very nice part of London, in, in West London. And I wonder, obviously, there's some people who just grew up and supported Fulham because it was yeah, their, you know, their team, their local team and, and what have you. But I just wonder with some of the other more glamorous names, do you, do you get any sense that it's because they perhaps moved to the area, I've got a second home there and then they adopt the club? Do you think there's possibly, any of that going on?
1: Possi- possibly. I mean, I think it's the West London <laughs> thing is like why someone like Margot Robbie might have ended up going mm. there. Or uh, I think Hugh Grant grew up around there um, and Richard Osman moved to Chiswick and I think he started going on then. So yeah, um, yeah, That's probably something to do with it, and I suppose London clubs have a head start in that front, yeah. That, yeah. that you know, in that sense, you know, you're not going to get loads of celebrity Lincoln fans, are you? Um, <laughs> no offense, Lincoln, <laughs> so, yeah. So, yeah. One there's usually one famous person you can associate with each club, you know, you go yeah. uh, Burnley, you know, Alastair Campbell, or I don't know, yeah, who's the, Who's a the poet, is it? Oh, I don't know, It's always one anyway.
0: Yeah, I should say, I know for a fact that Hugh Grant is a proper Fulham fan. Oh, he I know, is, he is. Yeah, going right back. Yeah, yeah. Going right back, I think, yeah, like he, I, he grew up I, supporting a local team and has gone to watch him and loves him. Yeah, he's a proper, proper Fulham fan. He's a good fan. footballer
1: as well. I used to play football with him years ago.
0: Oh, really? <laughs> Yeah, he played our uh sixth side game, but uh he got uh, he got very famous and then he stopped
1: coming along. But, ah. yeah, he was a he was a good player when he played. Well,
0: well I was gonna ask you about this because I know when you uh you emailed me some absolutely I should say absolutely fantastic notes on your time sport in Fulham and, and and specifically uh your all-time eleven, which we'll come on to you later, probably the most detailed all-time eleven related notes I've ever had doing this podcast. But you yeah, you said you play um you playing a game every week with uh and as i said this yes. is one of the people you've had on this podcast talking about west london club david Bedil, who was who came on this podcast talking about being a chelsea fan um, yes. i mean that sounds very glamorous and you go to italy once a year as well apparently yes yes
1: this is a a, a tour i i started organizing all well, back about 2006 or something mm. and my brother-in-law does it now but i i um i used to go to this uh take the kids to this sort of place in tuscany and uh there was be- every village has a beautiful football pitch out there and i suddenly thought would be brilliant to take our team out there and play a couple of games every weekend so we we now um, we now do that every year and uh, we're just getting we're just starting to think about this october and we, we play a couple of village teams in these beautiful sort of mountaintop pitches and for every every uh, year they used to at the end of the game take these british blokes oh we have loved playing with you and here at the end of this game in this hot heat we bring you some delicious cured meat (laughs) it's like no please guys you haven't got any like peroni moretti anything like that oh this is the finest salami in all of italy it's like
0: yeah 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 just any lager will do yeah all ice cream obviously yeah 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 Yeah. Yeah. so i mean who is is, 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 who else plays in that team i mean obviously uh, you mentioned
1: debbie has been coming along sort of every three weeks at the moment and then strains his groin and has to go off after he's got this recurrent injury and i'm the one who picks the sides, so i have to do these very balanced sides beforehand and then it's always we're always one side's always one man down but so yeah don't be a deal uh hugh dennis you know from outnumbered in our show uh homage lily played for a bit recently uh ralph little played with it before he went off and did um murder uh, murder in paradise Clive anderson angus deaton um, Bloody hell! This is the most glamorous football it's, team it's, I've ever. I've ever. Well, it, was heard who 90s, it was who's who in the nineties. When the nineties, who's that? It was who's who in comedy. Now it's who's who in the nineties. Yeah, um yeah. But yeah, no, quite a few, uh quite a few TV and media people, and some writers like me, and comedy people behind the scenes. We once had, uh, oh god, it was a bit. Um, once had Woody Harrelson turn up. Bloody so it hell! Was, it was insane. It was like, why? Um, somebody had said there's a game he said i want to play soccer while i'm filming this film in london someone said oh well i know somebody who's got a game some celebrities and stuff so he turned up i think he was stoned um (laughs) he was not very good he was quite easy to tackle and in the end i had to get the money off him for that week's up and he opened his wallet he had you know an inch inch thick of dollars an inch thick of euros he was getting out all these notes i was going no no that's a euro got out a 50 (laughs) pound note no that's a just a brown one the brown 10 pound thanks that's great that's what you need
0: that is absolutely that yeah, is, it's oh, absolutely incredible i was going to ask you I was, I was wondering if it was an inappropriate question but i was curious what the subs are for this game because um yeah i pay, i my subs when i play on a thursday night are 10 pounds a week but i was thinking with with your game it might be a bit more but i guess pitch costs are pitch costs it doesn't matter who's <laughs> yes, playing right. yeah absolutely
1: no it's um and then in uh, italy we do pretty cheaply as well so yeah and then um uh, but they did their pitch got all chewed up by uh, their pitch. got chewed up by wild boars. So we've just donated some money for them to refurbish their pitch, so we can go back again this autumn and keep the boars off the pitch.
0: Absolutely, I should say, Ralph Little. I once played against him in a sort of charity game. This is what 2004 he's good of, isn't he he is absolutely brilliant a, yeah, I was
1: like uh, semi-pro standard really yeah mm. i think
0: you think he had almost had a bit of a career didn't he i don't know if he yeah him, it's a he's bit too
1: good for our game really because he's completely when he plays i have to sort of put the five next best players on the other side just yeah. to try and balance it up but he, he's yeah. often uh, uh murdering people in paradise or so- serving it solving it at the moment so yeah um, yeah we haven't seen so much of him
0: no he's excellent oh well that sounds that sounds amazing i mean uh I just, I mean, I don't want to take part in the game, obviously, because I am, I'm not famous at all, <laughs> but I'd love to watch it. So if there's any chance of, of just observing it, this game, I'd, I'd love to see Badil versus An- Clive Anderson sort of going in for a 50-50. That'd be absolutely extraordinary.
1: Oh, yeah, it's all very polite. It's all very general. We're actually very strict on, you know, not shouting at each other and um, uh, being um, being good sports, you know, calling it handball if you do the handball and all that. And there will be stern emails next morning if people behave badly. So, yeah. Um, <laughs> it's all uh, it's all sort of uh, very gentlemanly
0: excellent no, sound, <laughs> that sounds amazing god woody harrelson turning up that's gonna that's gonna live with me as, a, as, as an anecdote um that is brilliant <laughs> yeah. um brilliant well actually john let, let's get on to fulham then there's there's loads yes. to talk about it's a, it's a club that's had an absolutely fascinating history certainly during your time supporting them um, and in t- and talking about you supporting them uh you dropped a bit of a, a fascinating bomb um before um just before we started before I hit record on it, on this which is I was going to ask you, as I do with all my guests, why do you support the club you support? Um, Yeah. And your story sounds fascinating. Do you want to sort of expand on it? Well, I grew up, when I was growing up, my brother who's three years
1: older than me, was a Chelsea fan. And just to be different to him, I went for the club that were playing them in the 1970 FA Cup final. So I decided I supported Leeds. I think I'd got a Jackie Charlton uh, cigarette card or a plastic cigarette card, uh, you know, sweetie cigarette card. Mm. And um, so and then I got, by the time I was 10, I was really passionate about Don Revy's Leeds team, Billy Bremner and Peter Lorimer. They're still all you know, uh, etched on my memory. The 72 Cup final I really cared about. Then I got to my late teens. Don Revy left, in Disgrace, after the England thing. Uh, And I sort of fell out of love with following football at university. I was turned to my music and my politics. And then when I was about 22 or three, I moved to London. And I thought, I want to go to football and I want to start going to games, you know, but I don't really feel anything for Leeds anymore. Mm. So I thought, well, I'm just going to decide to support a London team. So I actually went along to all the London team clubs. I went to Wimbledon when they were down in, you know, when they were the original Wimbledon. Chelsea, obviously horrible, so I wasn't going to support them. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, Spurs, I went along to, for the whole season of 85, I went on to them and they were they nearly got my vote, but it's such a nightmare place to get to. And um, then I tried Arsenal too hard to get into too big. None of them felt quite right. Palace, I maybe did should have tried and didn't. But then I went along to Craven Cottage and I thought, oh, this fits well. I grew up by the Thames and Maidenhead. Uh, my p- brother and sister used to always take the piss out of Fulham as being the shit club. And um, so I th- always felt slightly sorry for them. And I you know, remember watching them in the 75 Cup final and wanting them to win that. And um, pretty soon I was going along every week, going, oh, this is my team for me. And, you know, pretty soon after I started supporting them, they, they got relegated to the bottom tier. So it was like, OK, this is uh, this is this club need my support. Uh, and uh, I like the atmosphere down here and I like the setting and the, and the kit and everything about them.
0: I mean that yeah that's absolutely fascinating to you know uh, you know I love the origin stories of, of any football fan I've had some great ones on on this podcast of reasons why people support clubs but yeah, someone who's kind of done a kind of tour of the clubs and then picked one on the back of that yeah. is, is, is completely unique. I mean, how instant was it then with, with Fulham And in terms of, was it the first game you went to as part of this kind of tour? Did it hit you straight away? Because obviously there's a bit of background there, you're saying, with, with the teasing with your brothers. and Yeah, there was a tiny bit, bit of background. Yeah. I'd
1: always thought that, you know, lots of people go, oh, Fulham, I like Fulham. And I was a bit like that. Oh, yeah, because you look at when you see the yeah. results, you always think, oh, good. You know, they sort of club that don't threaten anybody. Um, but... I think I had quite an adverse reaction to quite a lot of the other clubs I'd gone to. And when I think it was the, the, the Riverside setting, the, the lovely old cottage in the corner and the the sort of quirkiness of the crowd as well, I mean, that's probably something that everyone tells them that their crowd were a bit different, but there seemed to be a sort of uh, world weary cynicism of the, of the, of the crowd. It was, you know, the crowds were like three or 4,000 back then. We we're fighting for our survival QPR where they're trying to merge us with QPR. Uh, so, there were a lot of factors, maybe so it was a bit political, and I was involved yeah. in the uh, the Labour campaigns on the other side of uh, on the other side of Putney Bridge, fighting the you know Wandsworth Tories. So it was local. It was you know was slightly a slightly quirky club, and I like the humorous thing as well of the sort of old you know it was always the the team that wolfie smith supported in citizen smith or yeah um, I remember that. or yeah, dennis yeah. waterman in mind uh yeah, yeah. or tommy trinder had been the chairman so there's this like comedy connection which appealed to me as well so yeah. i just thought yeah this this fits me well i'm going to stick with these guys yeah
0: because citizen smith i mean that was a sitcom from the 70s wasn't it but i actually remember it being repeated on the bbc in the 90s when i was growing up and it being on i think on a tuesday night and i okay. loved it yeah and i remember him supporting him yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Guys, really, really rings a bell so i um, took a, i took along.
1: Yeah. um dermot morgan you know whose father ted because uh, i knew him yeah. a little bit through Hattrick yeah, yeah. before he died and I, he was living in fulham so i took him to a game and he was like oh this is great and he said uh, what sort of fans do they have here i said oh, i was a big irish connection dermot <laughs> there's uh there's a lot of comedy people just trying to get
0: him to support <laughs> yeah, for yeah. his club you know? <laughs> excellent yeah. well that i mean all that stuff you're saying there it leads me on to something i was going to ask you anyway which is so I've got real fondness for Fulham. And one of, one of the reasons is during my time as a journalist and as a, as a match-goer, sort of going there, I, it is, I, I always tell people it's my favourite walk in football. And oh, I yeah. always do the same walk when I go to Craven Cottage, which is out of Putney Bridge Underground Station, through Bishop's Park. Lovely. M's to your left. Yeah. And then you go to Craven Cottage, which itself is an absolutely beautiful ground. So you've got the cottage in the corner. Yeah. And I think, I think for me as well, that feeds into this idea of Fulham being a nice club. I don't really know anyone who dislikes fulham but also i think there's a view of fulham being a bit of a, a slightly not, not just a nice club a bit of a posh club as well sure. and a friend of mine he's a, he's a he's a liverpool fan like myself but actually i think he's i think his dad's a fulham fan or he anyway he used to he may still do he used to go watch them quite regularly and he, and i sort of we spoke about it once and he said uh, sort of tongue in cheek, ever tongue ever so slightly in cheek that it's the only ground in in england we see more hampers than pies in the stand <laughs> um so yeah. i'm just wondering being a Fulham fan yourself, this kind of idea of Fulham being a nice and a bit of a posh club and the fans are all a little bit sedate and, as I said, having the hampers in the stands as opposed to beer yeah, and pie. Um, I don't, I, how of yeah, Fulham fans are of that reputation and does it annoy you at all? It doesn't annoy me because it's sort of true.
1: I mean, we do have our sort of um, hardcore who are at the Hammersmith end and shout and, you know, chant like most clubs. But, you know... Um, there's not a lot of uh nastiness being yeah. shouted out and there's uh i do remember you know somebody in front the couple will talk about the national theater and the play they would seen <laughs> the, the night before you know it's always like i hope someone nobody's mobile phone goes off in the ground will be tutting and say do you mind you know so uh text
0: book right yes out. yes so
1: um i went to see my brother-in-law sports palace and i went to see uh, a game with him this season and i was i was taken aback with how noisy and constant their singing is and that we can't pretend to match that yeah uh and our fans you know are not the noisiest and the riverside stand is empty at the moment and it's gonna you know it's it's, it makes the same noise empty as it does full if i'm honest um (laughs) (laughs) but where you know we but we sing a bit and we um but we shout out. You know, we try and shout out slightly more uh, interesting and amusing things than than, than <laughs> offensive, you know, swear words or whatever. The most sardonic chants yeah. in, in football, yeah, exactly. yeah. And it's a very tight ground, of course. You're very yeah. close to the you're very close to the players. So I remember somebody shouting out when Mickey Adams who was our player manager, kicked a ball way over the uh, bar. Somebody shouted, "That's shit, Adams!" And he just turned around and went, "I know." <laughs> It's, like,
0: it's great to see a player do that. Yeah, yeah. That is, is, as you say, that's the other thing I love. I love sort of tight grounds, you know, yeah, compact, intimate grounds, and I think Loftus Road obviously another West London grounds very much like that, and Fulham as well. You are so yeah. close to the action. Loftus Road, though. there's no leg room. It's so tight. It's like, yeah, I, it's, yeah.
1: A, it's a it's a, it's a not a very comfortable ground. I think somebody who's sort of six foot tall and his knees are up around my ears when I'm at the yeah. watching QPR. Just no, no, not gonna, I'm not going to accept any
0: comparison between Loftus Road and Craven Cottage. I'm just stamping on that straight away. I wouldn't expect you to, <laughs> either, given the rivalry. I mean, it's funny, you, you mentioned the Riverside stand there. So you should say, yeah, it's, it's got undergoing redevelopment uh, at the moment. So yeah, anyone's seen it on TV, obviously this season fans back, I guess it's more stark that that one stand is kind of empty. The lowest stand, I believe, is to open ahead of the 2022-23 season, so next season. And then the whole stand is due to open the following season, 23-24. Yeah. It'll yeah. increase attendance from 25... 25- twenty nine thousand six hundred. i mean it looks very impressive very imposing kind of not yeah. how it doesn't feel like it fits with the rest of the ground almost which is very say, intimate and kind of uh, i suppose so, but i
1: mean you'd have to be looking from across the river to sort of notice that because yeah. uh, you know it's there was a big concrete thing there before I mean, way back, there was sort of, uh, it was a big sort of mound, and there were flags all the way along the Thames. uh, But this is going to have a, you know, Thameside path, and there's going to be a little pier that their boats can pull up, you know, fans can arrive by boat. It's part of the plans I've heard. And then all the rowers are objecting to the pier, so I don't think they they realise you can steer around, steer around the pier. (laughs) Uh, But, um, yeah, no, I, I, um, unfortunately they've priced it, you know, way above the other tickets in the ground, so it's going to be a thousand quid for a season ticket in the uh, riverside stand which is a lot more than i'm paying at the moment um is so, so is that what... where
0: you s- sit normally no i sit side. on the opposite side oh, i okay. sit on the uh,
1: uh the steve road enclosure which okay. is uh the old what they call the johnny haynes stand now mm. which is the lovely grade two listed you know brick uh facade there
2: yeah
1: um and that's a, I've, just, I've just got a great seat which i will never give up you know um it's, you can see both goals no sort of pillars blocking either way and you're mm. very close but undercover and uh, I've got some nice people around me. So once you get that, at a yeah. club, you, know, uh, you really sort of you know, you count your blessings because you can have a season ticket and then find you're stuck right behind an idiot the whole season. Yeah, yeah. Know, I
0: think absolutely yeah i think i think that's where the press seats are as well so sort of, yeah which are lovely sort of brown benches which is again just oh, yeah. another reason i love going to fulham it's just even the benches are kind of nice to sit on and uh, oh yeah
1: if you get the wi-fi password let me know
0: i will do yeah <laughs> in ages actually yeah obviously being in the championship a little bit and we are yeah yeah championship coverage is a bit narrow shall we say but anyway that's a topic for another time um yeah. fantastic well, let, let's get on to sort of Fulham in, in the late 80s, which is obviously, I think, a period where yeah. it, you, that's when you have fully formed as a kind of Fulham fan. And you did mention it. And it's a huge moment in, in Fulham's history. I must admit, for my sins, I didn't know that much about it until I did and my research ahead of recording this. But that, that is the proposed merger with, with QPR in 1987. So to give a yes. bit of background... On the 24th of February 1987, Fulham's then owner, David Bolstrode, I think I pronounced that right, announced at a press conference alongside QPR and a QPR owner, Jim Gregory, that he was going to purchase QPR and their ground Loftus Road via uh, his property company, Marla Estates. The plan was to merge the two clubs with Fulham Park Rangers mooted as the new name for the new club. They'd play at Loftus Road, uh, Loftus Road and be managed by QPR's their manager, Jim Smith. Craven Cottage, meanwhile, would be sold off as, Thameside, as a Thameside development site. Unsurprisingly, obviously, this caused huge o- outrage among both sets of supporters. They worked together to stop the merger happening. Um, Jimmy Hill became a big figure on the Fulham side. He was a former player and then of the day yeah. host. There was a meeting Hammersmith Town Hall. Which eventually led to the decision to hold a joint protest on an upcoming Saturday, which would mean QPR fans would disrupt their game against Man City at Loftus Road, while Fulham fans would disrupt their game against Walsall at Craven Cottage in the form of pitch invasions. Um, And again, in the notes you sent me, I think the pitch invasion in the Walsall game is something you remember very well. I presume maybe perhaps you were at the game.
1: Yeah, I think I was at that game. I definitely remember going on the pitch early on then to protest about uh, about the plans. Uh, I mean, the thing about Fulham is, as you said, it's in a really exclusive bit of London and it mm. overlooks the Thames. As a piece of real estate, it must be worth an absolute fortune. Um, in the old days, they built the clubs where there was sort of no one wanted the land, you know. Yeah. Um, so yeah, property developers have had their eye on the site for, for a very long time. And it didn't end in 87 with the Jimmy Hill thing. It kept on racing its head as an issue over and over again you know should we move out to surrey should we play at Stamford bridge um and you can see anyone who's not interested in football cannot see the logic of there being four clubs in this part of west london you know all with um uh these fantastic grounds taking up so much space and having a limited number of fans I remember, yeah, I do remember a pitch invasion. I'm not sure if it was that one against Warsaw. I remember um, a game where we won 5-3 and Gordon Davis got a few goals and there was a pitch invasion after that about the protest. But, you know, I wasn't writing it all down at the time. Mm. Um, and um, it, was, uh, it was a very real thing. You know, you, you think, oh, we are, this club is going to go. It's going to just be taken away by n- nothing more than somebody wanting to make a lot of money it's not like they're going to say well we need this space for council housing it was nothing laudable it was purely greed and um people who'd taken over the club were able to uh, um you know take this thing away from us i mean that said i'm sure the club was losing loads of money so you know it's not like our tickets were you know we were paying enough to keep it going Yeah, but it was a very sort of sad and sort of powerless feeling that you couldn't you know these people could just do this to the thing that you felt of this you know quite a recent affinity in my case but i'd always you know known it was there and sort of liked the idea of it so it was, to have it taken away was um was something that we all felt we had to stop and so credit to all those fulham you know supporters who did a lot more than me and they they managed to pull it off and credit to jimmy hill who was a an embarrassing dad sort of manager <laughs> a chairman sorry not manager <laughs> he was like he was like he, he was he was vital to the club but he was god he was embarrassing sometimes i remember there's a he, he came out in the cottage once to give a speech with this uh tannoy and uh the other fans were swearing and laughing at him he's going there's always a small minority who spoil it for all the others we're going oh jimmy it's sound like my old headmaster now <laughs>
0: yeah <laughs> so, i mean that's the sort yeah, of Jim- you're only
1: letting down, you're only letting down yourselves yeah shut yeah. up jimmy
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the sort of Jimmy I remember from sort of growing up in the nineties, watching him as a pundit on, on Match of yeah, the Yeah, His obviously heart was in the right place, but it then, was it was, was come yeah. across a little bit, as you say, sort of an embarrassing, sort of uncle or whatever. Yeah. Um, yes, yeah, so you should say sort. So, but so yeah, the sort of, the pressure stopped the the takeover happening, and and Bolster continues chairman of QPR, but Fulham with them and sold to a consortium led by led by Jimmy Hill. Then as I said, ran the yeah. club. Well, what I find sort of amazing about the entire thing is there were no rules in place to stop. This happening really that two no. clubs could be merged, and I mean, it, yeah, well, we had, the, you, it, you we had have it. taken supporter pressure to stop it. Why well, I can't understand why the Football Association didn't just say, No, you can't, obviously, you can't do this. Yeah, I know. Well, instead, it's, it's like MK
1: Dons, you know, women are MK yeah.
0: Dons, or it's like the Super True. League, you know, these
1: things get there's uh, cocked up, co- cooked up behind the scenes, and um, uh, the FA and the you know football authorities have never been particularly sort of uh, strident about protecting you know what's in the fans best interest
0: south of the river thames all the capitals league grounds are under threat because the developers are on the rampage in the rush to cash in on the property boom this is why soccer in west london is in the most immediate danger after redevelopment these four stadiums alone could be worth a staggering total of nearly 200 million pounds Loftus Road's immediate future appears to be guaranteed, but this QPR supporter believes the damage has already been done. As far as I'm concerned and every other QPR fan is concerned, the club died on Monday when the announcement was made that there would be a merger with Fulham. I don't see it as a merger at all, I see it as a takeover. Fulham are bringing in all their own people, all their own directors, and eventually they'll probably drop the name Fulham Park Rangers and just become Fulham again. Meanwhile, the fight to save Fulham goes on. John Gubber, Thames News. If it did happen, would you have supported Fulham Park Rangers?
1: I don't think I would actually. I think it would have left such a bad taste. I wonder how many people who used to support Wimbledon support MK Dons. I bet it's yeah. none. <laughs> I bet I there think... can't be anyone who went. Who went? Oh, I used to support when they are in Wimbledon, but now they're MK Dons. I support them there. It's like it's just you, the idea of the football powers doing that for sort of the yeah. wrong reasons. um I can't imagine it So no I don't think I would have supported Fulham Park I would have started again I think I would have gone to Palace or something
0: Yeah Well there might have been sort of Phoenix club where there isn't that as, as AFC Wimbledon did Yeah with, yeah you know, crazy. AFC
1: Fulham yeah I could Also I don't
0: understand do how it would work with the two <laughs> squads as well like, do, do they just have a super squad of about 50 players and all the first so. So? They players sell off sell off half oh, of them I suppose yeah. I guess so yeah Yeah, yeah. No, I as I say, yeah, I did, a very, you know, you shouldn't have taken support pressure to stop it, but that played a big role, and then eventually well, it was... It, it was, was the middle prevented. of
1: Thatcherism as well, if you remember. So, you know, yeah. Thatcher was all for sort of... Uh, she said herself that there were, there were too many football clubs. She had no understanding of football whatsoever. She hated um, football, didn't she? She basically. hated football and football yeah. fans. And back then, yeah. football was not fashionable. That's the only thing no. I need to sort of convey to anyone, um, you know, under 40. I remember at Glastonbury, um, when John Peel was, who was on the, uh, the... playing the spinning the discs uh, between the bands he read out the football results and people started booing it's like that's that's for skinheads that's not for us you know it's like that's not for music fans um and you were sort of a slightly weird sort of working class pariah if you went to football games until really up until italia 90 but just before italia 90 i started to feel a change uh, and then, then about that time, you had fever pitch come out and mm-hmm. um, football suddenly got popular. But the, the, the 80s with the Bradford Fire and Hazel and, uh, you know, the, the, the riots with um, Millwall Luton it had a very ugly image football. And it's not something that you people were particularly impressed that you were into. Yeah. it was a bit unpleasant
0: absolutely yeah i mean it's a little bit before my time i was i got to football in the 90s yeah. but fully aware that italian 90 felt like an absolutely it's so much strange isn't that england getting to the semi-finals it feels like changed football in this country I mean, if england lost a cameroon in the round before what would, have, yeah. what would have i think happened? it was happening anyway i think
1: there was something happening yeah, in, the, sure. in the the tide was shifting but there's <laughs> just the now the drama of that game and the
0: characters you know yeah. um that was something yeah yeah No, as you say absolutely you know the tide was shifting was sort of fanzine culture when Saturday yes. comes and fever pitch was yes. coming through and sort of the way people wrote and spoke about football was becoming a bit more sophisticated and yeah. interesting, wasn't it around that time? yeah, no, absolutely. Um, yeah, so so as I said, Fulham was, was sold to Jimmy hill the, the 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 merger didn't happen. yeah, there was so a third division club at the time and they survived, and basically they the Bob between the third and fourth tiers. Of English football until mm. 1999 when they were promoted to the second tier by that na- which was by then known as the first division and it was via an extraordinary season so he went up as second division champions with 101 points uh, and two men really were at the heart of this Kevin Keegan was the manager and probably more prominently well in fact undoubtedly more prominently it was Mohamed Al-Fayed who was the yes. owner so bought the, he bought the Al-Fayed had bought the club from Hills Consortium million in the summer of 1997 and then this started an incredibly exciting eventful and successful period in clubs history there was a promotion under keegan and then another to the premier league under jean tigana in 2001 yeah when fulham became the first club in english football history to reach 100 points in two separate seasons uh, you were then obviously back in the first, uh, so you were back in the top flight for the first time since 1968. And I remember that team really well. It was just such a glamorous sort of team. We had Edward Bandesar yeah. in goal, the likes of Alan Goma, John Collins, Steve Malbronk, Luis Barmorte, but then uh, also uh, Louis Sahar as well. But then also yeah. some really good British players like Sean Davis as well. I think it was home well, he'd, player, he'd played he played for
1: us in all four divisions.
0: Yeah, was Sean Davis. yeah, it's yeah, a proper Fulham player.
1: I mean, the, yeah. the, the, what the, are, are your that, memories that, of
0: that time? I mean, it sounds well, like that he was was, incredibly that exciting, whole, wasn't it? whole
1: journey. I remember, um, the summer of 97 we'd been promoted without mohammed al-fayed's money from the bottom tier mm. um and that was uh michael adams mickey adams you know as the manager mm. uh then mohammed al-fayed and so that that was the summer labour got into power and um i remember um thinking wow that's amazing in, in labour's first term we'd gone from <laughs> being in the bottom division to being in the top division in, mm. in that four years i thought that's that's not bad by the time uh, um uh the the uh, the uh 2001 election we were heading towards the top flight yeah that's so true, of um, yeah that yeah, was pretty amazing funny. but yeah. yeah it was it was a it was a roller coaster really because uh suddenly we were the richest club in any league we were playing in and mm-hmm. we'd had some pretty grim old times down at the bottom there you know losing to Hartley or drawing with Hartley i think it was to drop to 91st in the league you know it's quite possible that we were going to drop out of the bottom division you know in the way that oldham have just done um so yeah it was um to, to suddenly start coming in mohammed al-fayed was a, a character put it that way yeah. but he was a character with a lot of money he uh he invested heavily in the club and, and as you say took us through uh and that one game i remember the game that um took us up to the Made as champions in that last season i think it must have been 2001 i took my son and his cousin to the game we were standing right at the front when it was still standing there and we had to win at home to be champions and the it was the 90th minute and we would we were we had to just draw at home to be champions we were one nil down we just needed a goal and we were champions at home the ball bounces out in the 90th minute into my hands so I think oh <laughs> wouldn't it be nice for my nephews over from Ireland visiting if he got to pass the ball back to the front player? Blair <laughs> but the you know my naivety I hadn't really thought about the tension that the players fell <laughs> under at that point so I passed the ball to my my uh, nephew and Lee Clark goes fucking come on oh and, my uh, god uh, so my poor little 10 year old nephew <laughs> passes the ball back to Lee Clark who takes the throw in but that little five second delay must have done something because sean davis i think it was went and scored the equalizer the whole ground erupts and we were champions at home but i put myself down for an assist i was going to say you're
0: responsible that... for fulham's
1: title win. yeah Phenomenal. exactly it's all down to me though. Know, my, my 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 handing hanging onto the ball for that minute but i think my poor uh well, poor uh, little irish nephew has uh, been traumatized ever since
0: louis barmore tight still barmore tight Over there Peter Blescott hails, Davis, oh what a finish,
2: Sean Davis secures the first division title for Fulham, oh what a wonderful finish, Sean Davis dances a jig at the heaviest end, Fulham are level, Fulham are champions, in the dying second Sean Davis sends an absolute screamer past Pressman, Fulham back on level terms, head back in an English
0: top flight. Oh my God, that's an incredible story. Is, he, is your nephew then? Does he did he grow fondness for Fulham that day, or did he absolutely hate them having been shouted at no, by he, one of the players?
1: Like like so many people in Ireland, he sports Manchester United. So oh, right. um, he always uh, he always teases me about Fulham, you know, not being very good, but uh,
0: he likes coming to the games. So. Oh, that's right. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, your first game in the Premier League was some game as well. So you're away to Manchester United with a champion. Yeah. You lost 3-2. You it took the lead lead head
1: twice. Star. Yeah, yeah. You t-
0: you took the lead through uh, Luis Saha. David Beckham equalized. Saha then made it 2-1 and then before that, he won it with two goals in in two second half minutes. I mean, I remember watching the game it was it was Sky Super Sunday game uh, on. Oh, well t- it was
1: one I remember that game really clearly because I was driving I uh, uh, I was on holiday in Italy with the family to that very place where I was talking about where we still go yeah. now, actually. And um it was back in the days when you got text alerts. You could buy text alerts about your team. So we're driving through it, and ding. And my wife's going, oh, no, May United have scored. And it was like, look at the thing. No, Fulham has scored. And I was like, ding. Oh, May United have equalized. But it was like all of it was done through those dings. I, I stopped. You paid for every text for those. Yeah, so yeah. I stopped when, it, when, it, when I got a ding on my phone. It said, breaking news from Fulham Chris Coleman is to turn on the Christmas lights. Alert. <laughs> It's like,
0: yeah, I just charge 50p for that. <laughs> I'm not having this anymore. <laughs> That's the second story I've had on this podcast about paying for text alerts. Um, the other yeah, one oh, really? was, I uh, had a comedian on, uh, I think about a year ago, actually, Tony Cowards, who's a, who's a big Ipswich fan. And he was at Old Trafford when Ipswich lost 9-0 to Manchester oh United in 1995. And he had, I think he'd just got text alerts put on his phone <laughs> and he got an alert every time Manchester United scored. <laughs> so obviously nine goals and each of those text alerts cost, cost him 50p. Him. Exactly. Yeah. So he said, That's like, hilarious. not only do I see my team lose nine, mil, it cost me like £2.50 or something. So yeah, <laughs> excellent, excellent. Um, yeah, just going back to Mohamed Al-Fayed. I mean, yeah, as you say, he's a flamboyant character. I guess a quite controversial one as well. I mean, yeah. have you ever met
1: him? Have you had any, any? No, team? I never did. No, no. I mean, bizarrely when he first bought the club was just when dodie was killed in that car crash yeah of course yeah, so well, that was other so the, we had the mayor of um the mayor of the borough came on and was on the center pitch we were make, presenting him something and then some fans started would say we should rename the stand the dodie fired stand and other people going hold on a bit guys <laughs> Dodie's never even been to craven cottage yeah. i know it's sad dino died but let's keep a sense of proportion here so there's all that going on at the beginning but and then he had this crazy thing where he invited michael jackson down yes. michael jackson walked around uh, with about 20 bodyguards and uh then we had this, this bizarre statue that got put up <laughs> which has got to be the worst statue you've ever seen it was like uh it was described a match of the day as like being like a star wars figure and uh which i think it's not unfair it's like this plastic sort of model you know not not even good enough for um madam to swords but in a funny sort of way, I quite liked how ridiculous it was because it was <laughs> it was quirky. Do you know what I mean? It's like, why have Fulham got a Michael Jackson statue overlooking the Thames? So um, this was before we knew all about all the allegations about Michael Jackson, of course. But it was yeah. still nuts to have this, you know, plastic pop star thing stuck on a pedestal, you know, um, uh, on, the, on the corner of the Hammersmith End stand. <laughs> it's like... Yeah
0: well yeah so i was gonna obviously gonna talk about it so yeah michael jackson came you mentioned earlier. he came to craven cottage for a game between fulham and wigan in 1999 um were you there i mean i remember the i was there yeah. The time. yeah yeah were you there i mean I did was... you know michael jackson was gonna turn up was it a huge shot? Was it half no, time i presume did he
1: come yeah, out I, yeah i don't know if i did know i remember you know we, everyone was doing the jokes about oh uh, well um he sports the black and whites because it's like a skin cut <laughs> 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 um but um uh yeah no he did a sort of walk around but it's like we have some a lot of people go is that really him because he had shades on None yeah, of us, yeah. some of us thought
0: it's probably a lookalike. alike um I think he had the hat on he had his sort of he, famous sort of hats as well didn't he so he's yeah, well covered yeah, yeah. You just to make him out properly yeah
1: but then, apparently the statue got taken off to uh the um uh, national football museum in manchester and now it's in a cupboard under the stairs somewhere yeah <laughs> it's a way out of embarrassment
0: well yeah so what happened you should say so yeah uh, mohammed al fadins um commissioned this statue of michael jackson it was installed at the back of as you said the hammersmith stand in 2011 um it did lead to a lot of ridicule it isn't the best looking thing it's i think it's seven foot six inches tall and it, it's, it depicts jackson singing he's got a silver jacket b- black trousers on microphone in hand on top of a black pin uh plinth uh, and yeah. she's got sort of musical notes around it um Fantastic. yeah yeah it did, it it's did a work of art
1: so it, not
0: everyone appreciates this art no it's it's, a, it,
1: it's, a, it's, a, it's so kind of amazing, amazing
0: in, in an absolutely awful way i mean i think there was a proper unveiling is that is that something you did no, I, I missed. Didn't I? Didn't no. go to that? No, we just sort of would. You'd forget about it, and then
1: you'd see it, and you go, oh, <laughs> God, that's, "God, that's awful!" And then sort of. But I would always defend it. and Go well, it's interesting, you know. It's something yeah. to talk about, and it's like better than just having, um, you know, nothing there or you know some sort of nineteen uh, thirties footballer. I think they've replaced it with George Cohen now, which is at least at least he's a you know a Fulham England legend, but um, yeah. he uh, you know he won the World Cup. But uh, it's poor old Michael under a cupboard in the stairs in Manchester.
0: Yeah. yeah, I was going to say, well, he was, yeah, so it was then, It um, was then donated to the National History Museum and fired, Mohamed Al-Fayed actually blamed Fulham's relegation from the Premier League in 2015 oh, yeah. to his success, Shahid Khan, giving it, donating the National Football Museum, he said, the statue was a charm and we removed the luck from the club and now we have to pay the price, which is okay,
1: well, that's uh, a classic view. Al-Fayed,
0: but also ridiculously over the top Yeah, yeah.
1: That.
0: Oh dear, that's hilarious. Yeah, so do you miss it? Do you wish it was still there? As I said, it no, is kind of no, I mean, not since the allegations, <laughs> especially. I mean, we would have had
1: to, it would have been talking yeah. about, you know, uh, everyone would say, oh, they're cancelling Michael Jackson. Nobody says that, do they? Nobody,
0: no. goes, Nobody says they're cancelling Jimmy Hill, do they? No, that's <laughs> absolutely true. No, that true. no, you're absolutely right. You couldn't, there's no way you could still, you could still yeah. have it. So yeah, just sort of going back to the football. So yeah, you got promoted in 2001, and then Fulham spent 13 successive seasons in the Premier League. And I, I guess there's yes. no doubt. Which was the standout season of that period? That was a two thousand nine two thousand ten season. Yeah. Finished twelfth in the Premier League, but most notably, you reached the Europa League final, losing two one to Atletico Madrid in Hamburg, which was you mentioned earlier. Fulham's first ever European final. Roy Hodgson was the manager. The team contained the likes of Mark Schwarzer, Breda Hangeland, Damien Duff, Danny Murphy, and your top scorer that season, Bobby Zamora. Um, there were some incredible results in the run to yeah. Hamburg, and I guess there's no there's no sort of um, denying what was the most standout result which was the 5-4 aggregate win over Juventus in the quarterfinals what a game that was yeah, yeah well you lost the first leg in Turin 3-1 and then you won the return at Craven Cottage on the 18th of March 2010 so what was the score? I was just scoffing I've lost 4-1 4-1 yeah we went one
1: nil down in the first few minutes I was cycling I was I was a school governor at the time and I was psych had to was held up at a meeting at school and I was looking at my watch and saying well I don't think we need to worry about these these are uh, very important <laughs> for budgetary things I was like let's get out of this meeting as quick as I can jump to my bike Cycled to Craven Cottage from Clapham, where I live. Got stopped by the police because I tried to go round this police block on a pavement and everything. They told me off about five minutes. So I got in the ground and uh, we were 1-0 down. I thought, that's it. We're 4-1 down. We're not going to get this back yeah. now against Juventus. But uh, Fulham were fantastic. And um, uh, we got back to 4 all. And then just in the corner, just from, you know, you know sometimes when you're sitting in a certain place in the ground and you just see... The shot from the perfect angle Clint Dempsey did this cross-stroke lob, no it was a shot, it's a shot, oh my god it's going in and it was like, oh my god we've actually beaten Juventus and um, no one believed that that turnaround was happened. and it was just one of those really memorable games where everyone texted you next day and mm. when you support a small club like Fulham you know, you're the only one Fulham fan that people know and that's that's nice because you get the special messages when they hear about you on the news um, so that was a very, very special day Sally Hamidich Trezeguet had a swing at it, Diego tried to turn,
2: and the bottom corner of the net found by David Trezeguet. There's a moment of hesitation as he picked himself up, and that's a hammer blow for Hodgson and Fulham. Zamora, chance, goal! It took six minutes for Fulham to respond. Around Draymond Cottage. The road to recovery and pull up embarked upon it. Doug gets nice control as well. Gira goes down. Free kick. What about Cannavaro? How much trouble is he in? There's a red card coming. Italy's World Cup winning skipper is sent off. Take this.
1: Semi-final was pretty special as well because we uh, were 1-0 down to Hamburg at home, having uh, drawn away. If the final was going to be in Hamburg. You know They were expected to get it. And the, the thing about that game is the fans just turned it around. They just did this, you know, stand up, if you still believe, and all the seats flapped up. And you could just see the uh adrenaline pumping harder in the in the players and winning those 50 50 balls and you know, making sure they got those tackles and they scored and the fans went you know mad of course and they're also close to the players and they got another one i remember saying to my sort of son who was about uh 13 at that point 16 maybe uh we're not going to do this you know and uh, he said no i don't think we are and then the fans turned it around and um it was one of the things where the atmosphere was what made all the difference you know that yeah. 12th 12th man cliche but uh, it was fantastic. And then, so I took my son off to the final, took him out of school, whereas the chair of governors at school, <laughs> and he had to, he's in the funny he won't be going into school today. And um, his uh, teacher, his sixth form teacher said, uh, you know, Fred. There will be other games like this. He goes, oh, "You don't know much about Fulham." <laughs> 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 there really won't. Yeah, yeah. It's not Fulham. Are not going to be in the Europa League final in a couple of seasons' time. You know. Nice. Um, so yeah, that was a, a, an incredible day trip, and sort of, even though we lost, it was still a really joyous occasion. I remember being in the town square in the in the in the, in the lunchtime, and the, these fresco Madrid fans got chatting with us, and they go, "It is our turn." obviously they spoke brilliant English it is our turn because we have not won anything for three years and I said well <laughs> Fulham have been going since eighteen seventy nine, and we've never won anything
0: ever <laughs> so I think it's our turn yeah you did sadly lost. I mean Sergio Aguero was playing I don't know if he scored in that game but obviously that's Aguero
1: funny. no he didn't no Fulham yeah. got both the goals yeah of course yeah did, Aguero yeah. a properly good team yeah I was going to say De Gea was the playing goalie yeah.
0: yeah it was an excellent it was a great team. team yeah I mean it's just yeah. incredible right? I mean I sort of I mean, obviously I knew it fully well because I was, you know, sort of properly into football at the time. I was working at the yeah. garden as well, but I also knew because I was—I'm a Liverpool fan, and we were in the Europa League at the same time. And I think I was at a game at Anfield. We were playing somebody when you beat Juventus. And honestly, in the cop, when the when people were. It was, it was the only thing everyone was talking about. We, wow. I don't know who we were playing, but everyone was like, I think we we're playing Benfica, actually. And yeah. like, you heard what's going on at Fulham. I mean, uh, the Juventus oh, that's great. Game, It was absolutely yeah. remarkable. And oh I mean, those those nights then, the the, the the Hamburg semi-final Juventus game, I mean, I guess they must just stand out as your most sort oh. of favourite nights. Oh yeah, oh Juventus, Juventus game in particular is my greatest ever Fulham game, I think. But, um, uh, you know, there's, there's,
1: there's, there's enough. Well, the good thing about, supporting a club like Fulham that go up and go down there's always high stakes you know so mm-hmm. you know if you're sort of Southampton or the middle you're stuck in the middle of the Premier yeah. League it's like okay but for us um you're either fighting relegation or you're fighting for promotion so this season you know to to be to be we needed to be uh to win it at home to be champions and we needed um we wanted to hit 100 goals and Bob uh, and um Mitrich wanted to hit you know, break the all-time record of forty-three goals. So we won 7 0 at home. Yeah, yeah, that seventh goal was in the ninety-third minute when Mitrovic broke the all-time record for the for the for, the, for that league. And uh, so th- th- that was a you know really joyous occasion because it just had so much in it. You know, even though there was never any jeopardy. So yeah, we had plenty of highlights as well as some, uh, plenty of lows. But uh, yeah, I think it's something about the nighttime games, the European yeah. games, are incredibly glamorous and sort of players you don't know or haven't seen. So it's it's a, bit, a little bit special we should do we haven't had enough of obviously over the years yeah. that thing you're yeah. saying about about talking about other games in the ground that's that's what I love that bit about football I was at the um I got a friend a friend of mine invited me to the Arsenal game uh yesterday for those fans uh who are listening down the line that was the last day of the 2022 yeah. season so Arsenal we you know couldn't, didn't have much to play for but the Everton fans right below us we're going mad about Liverpool not qualifying for not winning as champions but all the stuff about Burnley and Leeds everyone was saying what's happened with Burnley what's happened with Leeds what's happened with Man City are losing 2-0 that's amazing Liverpool could be champions and all that stuff that you know when you start to talk to each other and people can't get a signal on their phones so they're they're talking to each other I love all that I love the last day of the season it's always the best
0: match of the day of the year well i got to say i had a horrible well yes of course it was miserable I, for you but yeah, you know I'm, you're not done too bad this season no we've had a good season oh yeah i was i was at the game yesterday it was just a very very i should say yeah we we're recording this on monday the 23rd of may so yeah. the previous day was sunday the 22nd of may last day of the season arsenal beat everton 5-1 wasn't it yeah, yeah yeah liverpool beat um wolves 3-1 at anfield and there was a little period where we sort of us liverpool fans thought we we were never actually champions we were never technically champions but no uh city were losing 2-0 we were we were one all yeah. and we just thought if we score we'll basically win the league and one, yeah, yeah. none of us expected City to come back and they and yeah, they did that's and, amazing, uh, right? yeah, yeah and it was kind of deflating but anyway not talking about Liverpool but in a way actually my next question does relate to Liverpool in a little way and that's because I want to talk about the manager going back to the Europa League run that you had obviously I, I said yeah. earlier was Roy Hodgson and he's someone I think it's fair yeah. to say kind of divides opinion among supporters of the teams he's managed so I think you know Liverpool yeah, yes. fans really have got zero time for him I think Watford fans obviously the most recent club don't don't have a lot of love for him england fans probably not as well given what happened against iceland but west yeah. brom crystal palace and switzerland fulham. fans i think all, yeah. all really like him and i guess fulham fans and uh, my sense is you you love him for him for that season yeah we yeah. love him
1: that was we're so grateful to him and when I, yeah. I wrote a I wrote a football book um a football novel called uh there's only two david beckhams which is set at qatar 2022 and I sent him a copy and uh sent it to oh, his wow. agent. I'd never met him, but he sent me a lovely text back saying how much he enjoyed it and how bittersweet it was about England doing so well when he'd just done so badly with them. <laughs> but, um, uh, he's an absolute charmer of a bloke and, you know, um, and such a great manager of um, smaller clubs. And I, yeah. so you know, the clubs that are trying to survive, which is why I thought he might be a good appointment for England. Because I think we always think we're like Brazil and West Germany or Germany. And we're not, of course, mm-hmm. uh, in terms of our uh, our record. So I thought managing England might be a good fix, fit for him. And it turned out not to be the case. He was pretty unlucky, uh, I think. But um, Fulham, I think, you know, it's not just that he got us to, you know, sort of seventh or eighth, or whatever we finished to qualify for the Europa League. He actually got us... Out promotion in two thousand and eight in the most incredible yeah. fashion. We were we were down and out. We were two nil down at Man City. We had to win that game and the following one. So we came back, beat Man City three uh, two uh, up at Manchester, and then beat Portsmouth away. I was actually uh,
0: I covered the Portsmouth game. Yeah, it, was, it was on a very Danny hot Murphy Sunday. Yeah, Danny Murphy's one nil win wasn't it? it was yeah, 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 remarkable so it was, turnaround. That has complete great yeah. great escape job. Yeah. and
1: uh, so we loved him for that as well uh, because yeah. we'd had. We'd had a succession of terrible managers before that. Yeah. Laurie Sanchez was a disaster. <laughs> didn't last very long, did Laurie Sanchez? Was no, it? no,
0: no, we, no. We were, we were getting through the managers quickly at that point. Yeah, yeah. I mean, what made that team, I mean, I guess one of the most iconic teams of Fulham's history, it's not fluke at all that, because I said, they finished 12th in the league as well, so they had an all-round excellence. season. Yeah. They beat some big teams. I mean, what made them so good? Why were they able to pull off I those think, results? Do you think? They,
1: they, 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 they'd always say on Match of the Day, well-organised. Yeah, Fulham mm-hmm. well-organised. And that would be the t- sum total of the um, discussion around Fulham. Uh, it was my son, I would always laugh about how little, you know, uh, coverage we would get. I had this theory that the reason we held on to Van der Zaar for so long was that um, Fulham were always on a match the day last and um, <laughs> Alex Ferguson had fallen asleep by the time the Fulham game came around, So it took, <laughs> took him five years to buy him. Um, so, yeah, I mean, they were very well-disciplined very well ordered because it and they, they were one of those teams that was more than the sum of its parts you know yeah um uh but we had some Duff was in that team he was great and um oh, I told you, Dembele was a great player he was such a great playmaker mm-hmm. in the middle you know strong and creative um but yeah we 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 had two Musa Dembele's and managed to lose both of them as so paraphrase Oscar Wilde it's sort of a carelessness <laughs> to lose two I think <laughs>
0: Yeah, the second one's a striker, obviously, and he went to yeah. Leon, didn't he? And those yeah, oh, no, they were Celtic and then yeah, he went yeah. To Leon, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I was gonna say the other, yeah, I was just saying the other, the midfielder, Musa Dembele. Um, I know a few Spurs fans, and they all sort of put him in their sort of greatest ever Spurs side. So, I mean, oh, yeah. he's absolutely one of them, I think, most underrated midfielders in the yeah. So, he was, uh, was really good at Spurs and obviously clearly really good at, good at Fulham as well no obviously incredible run uh, So, you, as you mentioned got to hamburg and, and lost to atletico madrid but no shame in that but at all, in, especially- in the last minute of extra
1: time i should say so yeah, I was going yeah. to penalties you know and i thought oh you know mark in goal we should be all right and then that didn't really quite clock how good the hair was um so yeah. that, that could have gone either way but there's something very foolish fulhamish about losing in the you know 120th minute having gone all that way <laughs> yeah. and having you know and then because it was extra time the planes were insane there was just just grab any plane you can, you know. Everyone's fifty thousand fans running up and down Hamburg Airport, just trying to get on anything. Um, yeah. But it was um, uh, an incredible, um, incredible run, really, uh, that started with a you know one all draw with Rome or something. I think the year, a couple of years before, we'd qualified through the fair play league and it's like oh no it's like we haven't got the squad for this and uh and we were pl- we played our first qualifying game in june yeah, in the Faroe
0: islands or something yeah, and it's like you when you go through that route don't you, you play yeah, stupidly yeah. early yeah yeah
1: we're playing all these you know places you didn't know had clubs you know
0: bring up to modern day you did mention this uh as well just earlier so yeah just to sort of wrap, fulham were relegated in 2014 under uh, another interesting character felix mcgath oh god and- club sort of bobbed between the championship and the Premier League ever since. But you are back in the Premier League next season, having gone yeah. up as championship champions with 90 points under Marco Silva. Scored a whopping 106 goals. Um for yeah. my sins, John, I haven't watched a lot of you the season that's just finished, but that's for okay. what old you play some absolutely brilliant attacking football. Oh it's
1: Oh, it's been really attractive football. It's been lots of goals, lots of really fantastic possession. And you know, there was a period in the middle of the year when we were we were we were like won two games seven nil away, a couple of six twos. It's just like so in total control of the game, and um, everyone taking turns to score. It's been an absolute joy this season. And then it sort of fell apart a bit in the very, you know in the final straight. Well, we still were champions, but we should have got a hundred points really the way we were playing mm. earlier on. It's amazing that uh, you know, the silver has got the best out of this team in the way that Scott Parker, you know, was getting us to win one nil or draw hmm. nil nil. Suddenly, we're free scoring. <clears throat> Mitrovic has found his, you know, he's got the uh, broken this record. And um, I've been and I, I had this, these great season tickets where I was just watching it for the most perfect spot. Um, you know, when we got relegated, you know, I was saying earlier that there's a, at least there's some excitement about being a club in danger, but there wasn't that season, there was none of that. We were like Norwich this season, it was like. No sense of, well, maybe we can make it. It was just, oh no, we're shit. Maybe we're maybe we're stopping shit. No, we're still shit. And it was like (laughs) very demoralizing and uh, hard to keep going. Next season, I don't think it'll be like that. I probably, you know, speaking a bit over optimistically as usual, but um, I just think already, you know, we've got two clubs coming up with us. I hope we're better than them because they finish below us. We just got to finish above (laughs) Leeds or Everton or you know, just finish. 13th or 14th that would be that would be enough for me this first season and yeah. um we'll see if it can happen but yeah, well, I, I absolutely
0: hope uh, you finish above Everton and Everton get relegated <laughs> that would be I was hoping they'd go down this year but they annoyingly stayed up um but yeah I was going to ask you about that I think it's interesting Fulham's kind of i, I was curious to what how Fulham fans see Fulham because you have become one of those classic yo-yo teams it does feel like one season in the Premier League one in the Championship one back in the Premier League one back in the Championship yeah. is that a status most Fulham fans are sort of happy with no, I don't think so. Do? No, Because you had a 13-year period in the Premier League. You were fully, yeah. approved, which as a top flight side. Well,
1: both the other times we went up, it was winning the playoffs, of course. And mm. that's always a very vulnerable team. I mean, I mean the f- first playoff win was fantastic. To go to Wembley, my son brought his uh, girlfriend from America about 43 minutes into the game. She said, shall I just go downstairs and like get, like five pints and i went freddie you have got the right girl there <laughs> marry he married listeners he married her <laughs> yeah they, they married, he married they got married. oh I thought, fantastic Perfect. i told everyone that at the, at the wedding my speech is like <laughs> we went down she had all the pints ready for us fantastic so she thought yeah. that, was, that was her day for the beginning of her her life as a Fulham supporter um so the both the playoff games were great one of them was in lockdown but again yeah, it, was great. it was very exciting so this time we go up with a with a you know sort of runaway winners of the league and i think that will stand us in better stead but you know to fulfill them to go into the premier league i have bought my season tickets now to see us struggle most weeks and that's that's a weird old psychology yeah. that you go i really hope we get to the premier league where we'll probably lose <laughs> a lot of games you know so uh, yeah, yeah it's, it's double-edged you know
0: I do find that fascinating, actually. I remember talking to a Sunderland fan a few years ago when they were kind of, you know, they eventually got relegated, but they had that sort of four or five-year period in the Premier League where they would just survive at right at the death. And yes. every season felt utterly miserable. And <laughs> I remember saying to him, I wouldn't you rather... Like, I said, it feels like 90% of your Saturdays or your Sundays are miserable because you lose. And okay, you're losing to glamorous teams, yeah. but would you rather or big, big teams, however you want to describe it, wouldn't you rather just be in the championship and win most weeks? And okay, it might be against teams, you know, with a less yeah. smaller profile, but at least you're getting the, the buzz, the you know, the adrenaline yeah. rush, whatever you want to call it, of winning as opposed to the horrible feeling of losing every week. And I just, yeah, I wonder that balance with teams like Fulham, Sunderland, what, which one you ultimately prefer?
1: I think I ultimately prefer to ex- to, to be on match of the day and to exist in the okay. public consciousness. You know what I mean? Because when you yeah. say sport Fulham when you're, and people sort of look at you like you're slightly mad you know it's like, uh, whereas if you're in sort of you know you could be in some market in marrakesh and you say support fulham when they're on match of the day and they'll go mm. oh yeah Fulham." then name half the players because if it's if you're on telly you exist if you don't if you're not on telly you don't exist and uh I, I, I you know i love that bit of football which is like um the sort of um the first thing that you talk to somebody abroad or when you jump in a you know an uber or something you get chatting and you, to have that conversation about your team is a sort of great way of breaking the ice with, uh, with, with, for men, particularly. I think you find it hard to, to talk to people about, talk to other men about things. So yeah i i my, my my compromise is to be in the premier league but also win all our games that's what i'm hoping for going forward
0: Be, be next season's invincible next season. yeah, yeah, exactly. and win the title yeah. yeah exactly just picking up something it sounds you sort of said it there with about you know going to marrakesh and and you yeah. know, something talking about fulham or being in a taxi and then you mentioned earlier about being in the arsenal game and hearing sort of conversations that go on it just sounds yeah. like you really love talking about football with other people um it just seems like quite a big thing sort of conversations around football seem like something you, you know it doesn't have to be at Fulham necessarily yeah. it just seems to no. engage no, in it that way seems important to you
1: i do love football at every level so i'll i mean i've, I've just i walk my dog and on tap common every day and i've started noticing loads mm. more women's teams this this year and the past couple of years it's transformed so that's and i'll watch those i'll watch the little uh uh rough pub teams shouting mm. each other i'll watch the uh, the under nines and i'll watch Football in any game and and if i come home late at night and i'll put something on i'll you know i'll enjoy just it's like some sort of uh uh chill out turning your brain off thing just to watch a game um but i love all the sort of um the the narrative of it and the drama of it and i love other sports as well i'll watch you know wimbledon when it's on and i might watch a rugby game but f- football is the one really for me and i mentioned earlier i wrote a book about it I've, uh, in that book, there's only two David Beckhams. There's a plot about him managing his son's primary school team, as I did. There's a plot about him being a sports journalist going around the country. And I've, you know, I have been inside some things like you, nothing like as many as you, but I have been inside those um, press conferences to uh, hear the you know uh, pre-match talk from the managers. And there's uh, a bit, a little bit of plot about him playing in a five-a-side because I've done that for thirty years in the same bunch of lads. So it's. I've enjoyed football at every level, um, except perhaps the the very very top because I'm a Fulham fan. So I've never had that. I've never that cup final experience or had that. Um, you know, um, bringing seeing them come home with a massive trophy experience. I'm still waiting yeah. for that. That's going to be next year. Yeah.
0: Just uh, just going back to your book. Is that that's the one about the Qatar World Cup, isn't it? Yes. yes. Yeah. So That's what's the what, link between two Davy Beckhams and Qatar? How how are those two? Oh, it's things? a very
1: uh surreal plot, but uh, well I'll tell you what I'll tell you what the big spoiler halfway through is that back in back in 1997 the Blair government was sitting around going, How can we make England better at sport? Dolly the Sheep had just been cloned. So they said, God, right, yeah, we're that clone all the greatest England players. We're <laughs> gonna put them all in one team. So most of the cabinet time was spent arguing over <laughs> who was the greatest all-time England eleven. And um uh, the secret finally comes out at Qatar 2022 that they've cheated like this and they have to decide whether or not this team can play in the final and um well you know listeners have to read it to see what happens but you know it's England's first world cup final uh, since 66 and uh, the, the novel starts at the um beginning and ends ends begins with the first half and ends with the second half
0: just remind the titles there's only, there's two, only Davids, two, two david, david, david beckham's yeah is there's that out can,
1: can we get that can yeah we all buy it was that out a few years back actually it's actually my least best-selling book but um i'm proud of it it's uh, because it's a sort of football book and it's quite sort of uh, niche but um yeah it'll uh, it'll be out of date after uh, christmas so um it, i published it about five years ago But it's available from uh, all good corporate websites <laughs> and uh, yeah. probably not in your local bookshop sorry
0: about that yeah well through this po- podcast we'll make it's, it a bestseller so yeah, if you're you. listening to this go get yeah, uh yeah there's it's only a it's by a john copy. yeah, yeah no, i'm sure it's excellent <laughs> um john you've been absolutely brilliant it's been a joy speaking to you i'm gonna let you get off soon before i do we'll just do the couple of Usual things I do at the end of this at the end of this podcast, and the first one is your all time Fulham eleven. So for people who haven't listened to this podcast before, ask my guests to pick an all time eleven based on the best eleven players they've seen during their time supporting their club. uh There's, I think, there's one player in your team who you haven't who you didn't actually watch play, but we'll come on to that. But yeah, so yes. John has been kind enough to to pick his all time Fulham eleven. So I'll go through it, and then we'll have a little chat about be, it. Are
1: you going to say each one for
0: me? I'll say each one, yeah, written okay. down. I'll go through okay. it, yeah, no problems, And we'll have a chat about it. So, it's in a 4-4-2 formation. Yep. In goal, we've mentioned him already, Edwin van der Sar. Back four, jo- George Cohen, Breda Hangelan, Alec Chaplin and Paul Parker. The midfield is Alan Mullery, Johnny Haynes, Musa Dembele and Clint Dempsey and up front is Gordon Davis and again, someone uh, well, one of the other people we've mentioned to this podcast, Alexandra Mitrovic. Um, and I should say, I've got it on the floor, so I'm just going to reach down and pick it up. So, yeah, when I normally ask my uh, guests to pick uh, to send over their all-time 11s, they just literally send over the 11, which is which is absolutely fine, yeah. not a problem at all. You sent me um, incredibly detailed notes on each sort of paragraph on each player, so, I mean... Do you know, I,
1: why, that, do you know why that was, though, because I... <laughs>
0: Done this the Fulham, before.
1: The Fulham program asked me to do this, so I, so I had to actually oh, write something about oh, it. So, so I just copied and pasted that. I'm sorry oh. if I, I'm sorry if you thought I made an enormous amount of effort for you, but half the jokes I've probably said in this podcast I've, I've used elsewhere. No, <laughs> not, not probably
0: well. Yeah, I, did, I was initially very touched. I'm less touched now, but still, so, no. Thanks for sending them over. Even the copying and pasting it, it requires yeah, effort. It so I do, effort. Yeah, I do appreciate it. um Yeah. So no, I just. Yeah, a few observations from me. I think one of them is that there are three players from the 2010-2011 the team. Uh, yeah. I think that's right, isn't it? So, uh, Dempsey. Hangelang, Dempsey and, and Dembele. I would have yeah. thought, perhaps, given that what an iconic team is, there might have been more. So curious if anyone just missed out. And just to clarify, then, Alec Chaplin, is is uh, he was a defender from the 1920s, so obviously I lo- not somebody you've you, like, you watched play
1: i loved him because he was the labor councillor for the yeah. board that craven cottage was in and he lived in craven cottage yeah I well that's think, in I your notes saying, yeah
0: he so he literally lived in the cottage at yeah. the ground yeah that's right. Yeah,
1: so that's cool and he was a great player apparently so can you imagine going along every week to see your local counselor <laughs> your local football team and he lived in craven cottage so i always use my for my uh, novels i always take one Fulham football team from a period and name because when you're writing a novel you can waste a whole day trying to pick a name for a character so i just took that team which i've got on a frame in my office uh so there's a alex chaplin was one of the players in that team and um i use that surname and i use all the other surnames of those little cigarette cards for that particular uh novel may contain nuts the one i'm writing at the moment i might take that europa league team and make them all like that but you have to be quite careful because you give once by having you know Dembele and yeah uh Schwarzer and uh Risa it's a bit of a giveaway so <laughs> a bit limited. i am stuck with the Hughes and the Dempseys and the Davis. Uh but uh so yeah I always take one team and um uh base base all the names in the novel around one team as far as I can. But uh yeah I know what you just said there three is probably you know uh three players from that Europa League finals not that many I could have probably Fitted in a couple of others. Uh Hangland was was is in there. He was such a utterly reliable defender. He says the quirky story about him was that Felix mm-hmm. McGath tried to get him to treat his groin injury by putting cheese on it. Yeah. It's a bit I weird. That. I don't know. I
0: don't, I, know well, was, yeah. I don't
1: know if anyone was ordering cheese from the Fulham buffet that, yeah, <laughs> that yeah. Saturday. But yeah.
0: Um, but had a bit of hang a bit of yeah. Hangaland on it. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um <laughs> And then who was the other one? I said. Oh, is Musa Dembele in there? Musa Dembele and Clint Dempsey. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I should
0: say Clint Dempsey. I think this is in your notes as well. You said his goal against Juventus, uh, which made it four-one, is your favourite Fulham goal of all time. I think so. I I think so. Yeah, that
1: just uh, the the sort of uh, disbelief that we could pull that off from being four-one down to win five-four in sort of the eighty-second minute with such an audacious chip. Mm. Um, He was such a fantastically creative player. But there's the yeah, there's 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 many going back through that period that. Probably could have made the cut. Yeah. I wanted to mix it up a bit, you know.
0: No, no, absolutely. I mean, you've got some absolute legends in them. George Curry and obviously Johnny Hayes, who I think is known as Mr. Fulham, isn't he? Probably the most yeah, famous he, player in the club's history. Yes.
1: Yeah, yeah. So and then back then, you know, he stayed at Fulham. I mean, if it was now, he would have gone off to Man United or, you know, Real Madrid or something. But mm. he was a fantastic player. First player to get £100 a week. Still sounds a bit too much to me. <laughs> um, and um, used to advertise Brill Cream, you know, and um, uh, incredible... Um, Incredible passer with the ball, and I think it's just injuries kept him out of the uh, the sort of team in the '60s. He was at Chile in um, '62, but I don't think uh, I think injuries kept him out for '66.
0: Yeah, excellent. And just to say, Alexander Mitrovic, you mentioned earlier. So just to yeah. give a few details around, it, obviously Fulham's current sort of top striker he scored 43 goals in the season that's just gone, breaking yeah. Ivan Tony's record for the most goals in a single championship season, and he also took Guy Whittingham's record for most goals in a 46 um, game campaign. Um, which is yeah absolutely extraordinary he's obviously got Premier League experience with well I think with Fulham as yeah. well as with Newcastle so yeah. could do could do well he well goes. Season. I
1: mean he's, he's, he's uh, at a good age now um, maybe he's coming to his peak and he's scored some few goals for Serbia over the past couple of years mm. so I think he might yeah. do alright in the Premier League this season yeah. I mean he won't get 43 obviously but he might get you know 15 and that would be yeah pretty useful
0: yeah and actually something i've got to ask you about because it's very timely as well on the day we're recording uh it's been confirmed that liverpool have signed fabio uh cavallo yeah uh, young Fulham player. we've known for a while he's going to go there but i think the club have actually confirmed it today i mean i've got to ask as a liverpool oh, fan how, how good is he
1: oh he's, he's fantastic oh, he's such a i mean he's very young i know and he's what's so great he's come from Balham, which is just down the road from me. <laughs> yeah. i know the guy who runs Balham, and so they get a little bit of money from liverpool for this yeah so that's great do, yeah uh yeah. but he's such a yeah he's a very creative player and uh I've seen him get bumped off the ball a few times, so he might need to strengthen up a bit. Uh, but uh, I think you're going to um, you're going to enjoy watching him. He's a very, very smart player, very creative.
0: Yeah, I've heard good things and I've seen I've seen a few clips as well. He looks very, very talented. Yeah. Um Excellent. John, it's been an absolute pleasure speaking to you. So I'm going to let you go. As I said, Just, uh, before I do, I'm going to ask you the final question. And it's the, the usual final question on this podcast. If you could go back in time and change any moment from your time supporting Fulham up to now, and it could be absolutely anything, it could be a goal, a transfer, the result of a match, a very personal moment, absolutely anything, what would you choose?
1: Oh, I'll tell you what, back in those Tigana days, we had a... Semi final against Chelsea, uh, which we lost. And I'd love to have beaten Chelsea in the FA Cup semi final and gone to Wembley to see Fulham in, the, in a cup final because I've never seen that. And uh, for us to get to Wembley, maybe even win the cup, that would be something that would be, you know, after what, you know, forty odd, thirty five years of going along to support Fulham, to see them at Wembley would have been a memory which yeah. I hope I'll get to have one day.
0: I think I remember that it was in 2002. Because I remember, I'm sure yeah. I watched that game in my university dorm room, my final year university. Yeah. I was in my final year university. I can picture it. It was a Sunday game at Villa Park. Was that yeah, right? Yeah, it was at Villa Park. Yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: It's one of those st- stupid things where we we're both in West London. And we would have to drive up the motorway, and there was yeah. you know, massive roadworks all the way, and it's like just hold it a bloody arsenal or something <laughs> stupid. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was a disappointing all round we we were outnumbered by the Chelsea fans and outsung by them, you know, because we in 2002, we we're still building our fan base from having been in the bottom tier for 20 yeah. years, you know. Um, so, yeah, it was just, uh, we weren't terrible. It's just, I wish we could have beaten Chelsea, who I yeah. like very much, as you can probably guess. And uh, <laughs> to have to, to run that gone to Wembley, would have been. The icing on the cake. Well, you would have
0: gone to Cardiff, wouldn't you? Because uh, oh, you right. Held yeah, at the Millennium yeah. Stadium, and that. you would have played Arsenal as well. Actually, because they won. Yeah, they won the double that year, didn't they? That very uh, they one of their very good it. teams on the Arsenal Wenger. Yeah, oh, but still, Chelsea, still an FA Chelsea. Cup final. Yeah,
1: still, yeah, still Chelsea
0: lost. That's, that's yeah, some yeah. <laughs> no. Absolutely. And any, and I just finally, if I let you go any, um, any regrets about picking Fulham, having done your sort of walking tour of London to pick a club? And Sounds I, like not. I'd...
1: No, I don't think so. No, I've been very happy there. It's it's really, uh, it's a lovely space, place to go and watch football matches. Pubs nearby overlooking the river, and um, soon I'll be able to go by boat. That'll be even better. But yeah, I can get there in under half an hour with my uh, bike or a train or whatever. And um, it's just a a lovely atmosphere down there, and and um, and it's never it's not usually boring. You know, you're either trying to get up or you're struggling to avoid going down, and uh, and uh, there's lots of nice people there, and that's just something that I've been able to. Football has been one of those things I've been able to share with friends mm. uh, for, for decades. And it's this sort of, um, it's like a universal operating system, really. You know, it's like a football is this thing by, via which we talk, you know, enjoy highs and lows and uh, travel together. And it's uh, it's amazing how much it can give you in a lifetime Just to, just to have this great thing that you are into and can share with people. So I wouldn't yeah. swap it for anything.
0: No, that's a a great way to put it. And as I said, it is the best walk in football. So I absolutely get why you love Fulham and you're absolutely going to stick with them as well. Uh, John John O'Fall, it's been a pleasure speaking to you. Thank you very much.
1: Thanks very much for
2: having me on. Cheers. The cottage is our home Now we're packing up our bags And we're not alone We travel far With land and sea Now we're gonna take our place In history So shout it out From the tin of the lily whites We're gonna give it our best shot Standing tall and proud hear it from the crowd, one more time aloud na na-na-na-na-na-na, na, 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 na.